0: Log talk radio. I wonder what.
1: Welcome
2: everybody to Reality in Christ Worship Radio. I'm your host, Reverend Thomas Lane Smith, and today is going to be a really phenomenal show. But it looks like uh, my praise and worship music has been changed around, so I'm going to start with um, calling Jesus. Play a few songs while waiting for Pastor John to come in, and and we'll go from there. So. Sit back, enjoy worship and word. Shipping word today as we're waiting for Pastor John Anderson To call in I have one more worship song That I would like To play And It is Everything to me And then After that I'll open up with the word of prayer And Pastor John will be Delivering the message So Your host, Reverend Thomas Dwayne Smith, and we're waiting for Pastor John to call in. But before he calls in, I'm just going to open up with a word of prayer. To Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to worship and praise you and bring the word here on True Life Radio Network in reality and Christ's worship and work. Father, I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ for every day that you continue to allow me to wake up despite the pitfalls that may that may be accomplished against me. Lord, I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you are a man, or that you are one of your words, Father God. You you are not man that you should lie. Father, we love you and we bless you. In the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ I pray. Amen. So, you know, I'm sitting here waiting for Pastor John to call in. I'm just kind of You know, it's been kind of an interesting day today. I broke up a fight and lost my Bluetooth, you know, and, excuse me, this has been one of those things, but all I know is that God is, you know, God has... He is full of love. And as mad as I could could have gotten when I was scratched up today, you know, I just, you know, I just settled down. My casualty was
0: that
2: I lost my um, Bluetooth, so I have to hold the phone While I'm doing the show So I mean I It's one of those things And I'm looking for more of my Praise More of my praise songs And it's like all my praise songs Were just like Deleted So You know I just, uh, excuse me, I'm just, uh, just a little out of it today, so I am going to Wow, all my, all my praise and worship songs have to read it. So, let's see. Wow. Let's see. Alabaster.
0: You know. Hmm.
2: I'm going to play another song. I'm going to play Call on Jesus again. Actually, you know what? I'm going like, to play Cassie Crouch.
3: and now my life's song
2: Worshiping Word, and that concludes our worship portion of our show. And I'm going to talk a little bit as I'm waiting for Pastor John to call in. He should be calling in in a few minutes. But, you know, in this day and age, everybody's getting caught up in March Madness, the college basketball tournament. But you know what? I just have a question. When When can we get caught up in the madness that is that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When can we celebrate what Jesus did for us on Calvary? And I mean genuinely it, Not just talking out of the sides of our heads. Not just, just in passing, oh, I'm saved. You know, and just leave it at that. If we can get ruckus and crazy over a billion-dollar basketball tournament, why can't we get ruckus and crazy over what Jesus Christ did to make a way for salvation for us? That's my question. And now that Pastor John has called in, I am going to introduce once again one of my most favorite people, on this planet, and he's also my spiritual father in the faith, and he has, excuse me, he has been blessing us for the last several weeks with powerful messages, and I know he has a word in this season again for us today, so with no further ado, Pastor John, once again, welcome back. I feel like I just saw you a few days ago.
1: I uh, kind of kind of did, didn't you? <laughs> well, it's good to be back on your program again.
2: Yes, sir. I've been looking forward to it. Today was kind of one of those crazy days. Broke up a fight, lost my Bluetooth, and got scratched up a little bit. But, you know, it is what it is. So
1: I'm going to put myself on mute,
2: and I'm going to let
1: you take it away. All right, sir. Thank you very much uh today I want to talk about paul's thorn. I know that
0: uh, the way
1: I was raised uh in in hearing about paul's thorn thorn in the church I grew up in um, I heard many things, starting with uh God gave Paul bad eyesight he was legally blind uh so that he wouldn't get too um to keep him humble, so he wouldn't get too puffed up or anything like that and uh I've heard that uh that uh, God gave him a variety of physical ailments to keep him humble uh he was sick uh he couldn't hardly eat um just the whole there's a whole variety of things that that preachers have taught uh over my years as a Christian that have said, This is what happened with Paul and this is what God'll do for you. Before we get started very much, I want to say that Paul's thorn many people were were convinced it was some kind of a physical problem to keep him from being exalted. Now that's what the scripture says, that the that the thorn was given to him to keep him from being exalted. And when most Christians hear that term, being exalted, they think that means prideful, but that's not what that word means. It says that uh, the thorn was given to him to keep him from being exalted above measure. Now that's what the scripture says. Look it up, Second Corinthians twelve one through ten. We're gonna we're gonna touch on a number of verses in there, um, but it, the it, the word says that that thorn was that thorn in his flesh was given to him to keep him from being exalted above measure now we have to do the thing that we have to figure out we're going to figure out today is was God the one doing the measuring or was it somebody else now Paul said right in this passage of scripture yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. That word infirmity does not mean illness like it means today. See, if we go to the infirmary today, we go to some place that takes care of sick people. The word infirmity, the Greek word that is translated infirmity, simply means weakness. Paul said, yet of myself, I will not glory except in my weaknesses, my infirmities. Paul had learned enough discipline to refuse to promote himself and his accomplishments, and his accomplishments were many. Before Paul ever met Jesus, he had what most Bible scholars would agree is the equivalent of approximately seven doctor's degrees in Judaic law. He had seven doctorates in Judaic law. Now, in order to get a doctor's degree today, once you get past high school, you're looking at approximately another 12 years of school to get one doctor's degree. This man became an expert in matters of Jewish law. And the only thing Paul wanted to do by the time he wrote uh, 2 Corinthians, the only thing he wanted to do was to share with people what God had revealed to him but he was so circumspect about it that he didn't consider he didn't consider it something that he needed to talk about this is not the attitude of a man with an ego problem god was not trying to smack paul down so that he would not be prideful now you see As Christians, most of us have been taught by the church over the years that God will just knock your brains out from time to time to jerk the pride out of you. Well, if God were going to jerk the pride out of people, the people that live in the inner city should be the least prideful of all the people on the planet. The very, very poor should be the least prideful. And in my experience, and I have worked in the inner city, in my experience, some of the most devastatingly prideful people there are don't have two nickels to rub together. but Their their pride is absolutely horrifying to watch. And maybe they think it's all they have, so why not? I don't know. I don't know what they think on that. But that pride is a very real and very harsh thing. So Paul said he was given this thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, a messenger of Satan, since when does God have to use the devil to accomplish his ends in the church? The devil is not God's messenger for his people. The devil, God doesn't send the devil to us to make a point or to get a, get something across to us. But the reason the messenger of Satan was sent to Paul was because of the multitude or the many revelations that Paul was receiving. Now, next question we have to ask is, where do revelations come from? Where does a revelation from the Spirit of God come from? There's only one place. You can't get it out of thin air You can't get it by praying, begging, whining, and crying. A revelation comes only through the word of God. It doesn't come. Wisdom, the Bible says wisdom, which is, by the way, the word of God. Wisdom speaks in Proverbs chapter 4, 8. Chapter 4, 8 in Proverbs says, wisdom is saying to us that if we will exalt her, that is wisdom, the word, if we will exalt the word she will exalt or promote us so we can see clearly that paul who was the world's foremost exalter of the word got himself defaulted by by he got himself exalted by default the exalting that came into paul's life the reason his ministry touched most of the known world at that time Wow, think about that. How would you like it if you had a message and touched the entire world with it? I would say that would be a pretty good message. Where do revelations come from? The word of God. You exalt, according to Proverbs 4.8, you exalt the word, and the word will exalt you. Listen, it is in God's best interest to exalt the people in other words, promote the people that are promoting and exalting the word, who are getting revelation knowledge out of the word. It's in God's best interest to promote those people. In 2 Corinthians twelve six, Paul Paul said, For though I would desire to glory, in other words, he's saying, Hey, man, I'd love to toot my own horn right now, but I'm not going to. I shall not be a fool. That's that's the the biblical nice way of saying, hey, dude, I ain't stupid. <laughs> yeah. Paul knew he did not have to toot his own horn. He knew that if you just exalt the word, the word itself would lift him up high enough for everyone to see. All Paul needed to do was speak the word. That's all he needed to do, speak the word. In verse 7, we see that Paul did indeed receive an abundance of revelation, and that, those, that abundance of revelations did exalt him. However, somebody seemed to have a measure on how much exaltation was too much. Who do you think it is that doesn't want a believer to rise up too high? Would that be God? But he's the one giving the revelations that exalted Paul in the first place. If God were actually concerned about Paul being unable to handle being exalted, do you honestly think he would have trusted him with all that to start with? Listen, God's not stupid either. I have to believe that God is smarter than that. As well, I have to believe he is more mature than that. God is not in the business of just jacking with us to see what we'll do. We are not his spiritual lab rats. We are his children. That's a tough thing to keep in mind. Right. The only one who would benefit from Paul not being exalted too much would be Satan. Satan could not stop the revelation from coming to Paul. Because the revelation came from the word of God and Satan cannot stop anyone, 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 anyone from getting into the word and thereby receiving revelation knowledge. God would get much more benefit and glory from a man full of the word being lifted up higher and higher than he would get out of a man full of the word being limited and eventually flattened. Satan knows that the only way Revelation can be made ineffective Is for the person who has received it To act as if that Revelation were not true Now you don't have to shout amen Right now but you sure could You have been acting As though revelation knowledge Is not true in your case Well I know God said that But you know (laughs) That's just not me Oh baloney You are what God says you are Shut your foolish mouth. Put your mouth on the word of God. Do not let the devil corrupt your thinking, and he is a master at it. The last half of verse 7, we see that Paul calls the messenger of Satan a thorn in his flesh sent to buffet him. Now, let's take a look at each of these words and phrases, and we're going to understand exactly what's being said here. The Greek word translated messenger is a Greek word. In English, we would spell it A-N-G-E-L-O-S. That's where we get our word angel. It's literally translated messenger, but in many places in the scripture, it is translated as angel. Virtually all Bible scholars agree that the phrase messenger of Satan or angel of Satan refers to a demonic entity a demonic person, personality. I have never found one place in the Scripture where God's been so personally inadequate that he needs to use a demon to bully his people into doing his work and his will. If I, as a human father, if I, as a human father, hired a neighborhood bully bully to beat up and terrorize my children, so that they would learn some kind of a lesson so that they would be humbled. I would be arrested for child abuse. It is illegal for me. How did we get so twisted in our thinking as to end up believing that it's okay for God to do something that is illegal for the average human being to do? How did we get to that place? That is a far, far stretch from what the scriptures reveal to us about your heavenly father. The word flesh is the Greek word sarx, S-A-R-X. A few of the verses in which the word sarks is translated flesh is, obviously by the, is obvious by the context that is referring to the physical body. In the largest majority of the verses in which sarx is translated flesh, the context demands, the carnal mind as the appropriate definition Romans 8 7 and 8 says because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the laws of God neither indeed can be so then they that are in the flesh that's the word sarks cannot please God if this is a reference to the physical body sweetheart the only way you have to please God is die now. If, if that verse is referring to the physical body, the only way you have to please God is just die. Get saved, die. It doesn't work like that. The Bible says if you want to please God, use your faith. Use your faith. Your unrenewed mind cannot please God. The only thing that pleases God is your faith, which is fed by the Word, which strengthens and nourishes your spiritual being. So what does the Scripture refer to as a thorn? See, that's the big deal. Well, God gave Paul that thorn in the flesh. No, he didn't. That thorn in the flesh from Paul for Paul came as a messenger of Satan. God does not use devils to... to work his will in the world. Numbers thirty-three fifteen says, But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. Joshua twenty three thirteen says, know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. In both of these passages of Scripture, we see some personage or personalities being likened to a thorn. In both of these instances, God told Moses and Joshua how to get rid of their thorn. Drive them out in the name of the Lord. Drive them out in the name of the Lord. Did you notice in these two passages of Scripture, God is not the one who sent the thorn. The thorn was already there and operating. Did you notice that God did not give the thorn permission to wipe out God's people? All God said was, either you kick him out of your land, or this is it for you, Jack. It's over. It's going to happen to you, and you won't like it. That's kind of a loose translation, but it's true. Yeah. <clears throat> Amen. One of the things God called the Apostle Paul to reveal to him, and through him to reveal to the body of Christ, is the authority of the believer and the power of the name of Jesus. That's what God called the Apostle Paul so that he could reveal that to him and so that Paul would then reveal to the church, the body of Christ, the authority of the believer. Now, Second Corinthians 11, just back up a chapter, verses 23 through 27 enumerates a long list of things Paul went through as he went about preaching the gospel. He was in labors more abundant. That means he worked harder than you. He took stripes above measure. You know the thirty-nine stripes that were laid on Jesus' back that made him uh, walk walking piece of hamburger. Paul right. underwent that five times, not just once. Jesus under Jesus had to suffer that once. Paul had that done to him five different times. I bet he was an absolute riot at a pool party. He'd make children and uh, women just run and scream. He would be so gross-looking from all of the scars laid on him. Five times, he, he says he was in prison more frequently, faced death often three times. She was beaten with rods. Now, this particular when it says beaten with rods, you see that that's not like they took a uh, a ruler and went na 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 boo boo, We don't like you. Uh, no no, they held him upside down. They locked his feet in stocks, and they took an 18-inch long metal bar. And they pounded on his feet until every bone from his ankle downward was broken. And that was before they started asking questions. They figured uh, they could get your cooperation that way. Right. Uh, he, was, he was shipwrecked three times. He was stoned. And they didn't just throw gravel at him. Again, saying, no, 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 boo, we don't like you. We want you to go away. No, 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 this wasn't like your bad hair day that most of us have experienced. They used big, jagged, hurtful rocks. Their purpose was, when they started to stone somebody, their purpose was to kill you. And they threw the stones as hard as they could, as long as they could, until the person being stoned was dead. That happened to Paul. Believers came out, gathered around him, and he rose up out from under that pile of stones, went back into the city and preached some more. Talk about your basic fellow with cojones. That all had him. I'm telling you, that's a gutsy man. It says he was adrift in the ocean for a night and a day, treading water. He took journeys often. He experienced danger in water, danger from robbers, danger from his false brethren, uh, Danger in the wilderness. I mean, just danger in the sea. There was trouble everywhere. He was in weariness, painfulness, and watchings often. He was cold and naked, hungry and thirsty, and he fasted a lot. Verse 28 goes on to say that balanced against that whole list, and that whole list is impressive, huge. Balanced against that whole list is the one thing That comes upon me daily. That comes upon me daily, which is the care of all the churches. The Greek word that is translated care is the word merimna, M-E-R-I-M-N-A. In Mark 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus calls care, merimna, a thorn which is designed to make the word of god unfruitful or ineffective. In 2 Corinthians 12:7 we see that this demon was buffeting. The word means to pummel as a boxer or to beat thoroughly. His carnal or unrenewed mind so consistently that he could not relax and move on in the spirit. Paul became convinced that it must be his job to worry about the well-being of all the churches he had started and left in the hands of inexperienced believers. It was not the least bit uncommon for the Apostle Paul to go somewhere and start a church, and within a month and a half, somebody's trying to kill him. And here he is six weeks later. He's turning a brand-new church over to a six-week-old babe in Christ and saying, listen, these people are going to kill me. i got to go. <laughs> wow, and we think we've got faith, and we think we've got problems. 2 Corinthians twelve eight and 9 says, For this thing, the messenger of Satan, the thorn, I besought, I begged the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now read that again. Did God say to Paul, No, Paul, you can keep this devil. It'll make you strong. No, God didn't say that, nor did he imply it in any way. Let's let's take a side trip here and investigate a couple more questions. That we're going to come to an answer about what God really said in these verses. First question To what revelation did God call Paul? Paul himself said in 1 Corinthians 3, I lay a good foundation of the grace of God as it was given to me. The word grace is found 97 times in the writings of Paul and only 31 times in the entire remainder of the New Testament. Listen, that's exactly right. The word, the word grace, is used by the Apostle Paul 97 times in all the rest of the New Testament. The word grace is found 31 times. That's amazing. The fact of our identification with Christ, evidenced by phrases like in him, in Christ, by whom, in whom, by Christ Jesus, phrases like that, those are found almost exclusively in the writings of Paul. It is the knowledge of grace and our identification with Christ, that his identification with us that both proves and works the authority of the believer, so that's question number one what did what revelation did God call the apostle Paul to reveal to him grace and the authority of the believer? Question number two: why did God refuse to answer Paul's prayer to get the devil off his back, according to second corinthians twelve eight Paul prayed three times in an effort to get God to make this devil go away. Each time he begged God to make the devil go away, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. The word Greek word translated grace means gift or favor. God was telling him that the gift of grace that God had given to him would do the job. Paul missed the answer. God directly answered Paul. Paul was praying, oh, God, get the devil off my back. It's just too much. I can't take it, Lord. Get the devil off my back. And God said, my grace is enough. He had called Paul. Paul had a revelation of grace. And because he had a revelation of grace, he knew what it was. He knew the power of it. He knew how it worked. And yet he went whining to God, and God said, "My grace." Let me let me see if I can give you a little illustration. <clears throat> Let's say, for example, that uh, I wanted to teach my wife how to shoot, and uh, I have a twenty-two rifle, and and I was wanting to teach her how to shoot. So she, we'd been out practicing, and she'd got pretty handy; she could shoot just about as well as me, maybe better on some days. So she's got this 22 rifle thing down really well. And one day she started out the back door of the house and laying across the back steps is a rattlesnake. And she comes screaming back in, John, there's a rattlesnake in the back porch. And if I said to her, the 22 is sufficient for you, what does that tell her? Number one, I am not going to go shoot the snake for you. Number two, go shoot the snake yourself. The gun has just as much power in your hands as it does in mine. That's what God told the Apostle Paul when he said, my 22 is sufficient for you. I mean, my grace is sufficient for you. I can assure you that's not What my wife wants to hear about the time there's a rattlesnake on the back porch. What my wife wants to hear is, oh, take care of this, honey, never fear. Well, that's not what God told the Apostle Paul. He said, that grace that I've been teaching you about is still good. It still works. And it will work for you. Now, boy, go put it to work. The revelation for which Paul was called was grace and the authority, of the believer, who we are in Christ. If all that is true, why would God come along and bail poor pitiful Paul out just because Paul was having a bad day or a bad month or a bad year? All Paul had to do was pick up the grace gun, so to speak, and start shooting back. Ephesians one twenty-one through 23 says that we are his body and that all things are under his feet. Your left eyebrow is a part of your body. If there's something under your feet, that something is also under your left eyebrow. You and the rest of the body, including the head, are connected. You are connected. James 4, 7 said... Submit yourself, therefore, unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you were to be nice to your English teacher, which you should have been in high school, instead of acting the way you did, ask your high school English teacher to diagram a sentence, because I'm sure you don't remember how to do that. The phrase, resist the devil, if you asked your high school teacher to diagram that sentence, you'd see the subject of the sentence is the understood you. You resist the devil. Notice it doesn't say whine and God will chase the devil away before you because you're driving him crazy because you're so stinking pitiful. Listen, God's had more experience with pitiful than you will live long enough to have. Moving right along, that didn't go over very well, I can tell. You resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say he'll flee from God, he'll flee from you. If you resist the devil because of the word of God on the inside of you, because of the grace of God on the inside of you, if you resist the devil, the devil will learn to flee from you. Eventually, he will not like being beat up. That's the way it works. What we need to catch is this. If we act in faith on the word of God, and if we speak that word boldly, The devil will run away from us, 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 us. He will run away from you. You are so much more powerful than you believe you are. Get a grip. Of course, the devil is running away because of an irresistible power that doesn't come from us. But, of course, he's running away because of the inherent authority of God based in his Word. Who cares why he's running away? The bottom line is he's running away and will continue. You see, we've got an itch for theological accuracy. And it makes us so speaking nitpicky that we end up talking ourselves out of resisting a devil and taking authority over him the way we're supposed to do. And he ends up not running anywhere. We end up running. Get a grip, church. Makes no difference that the devil obeys you even though you don't deserve the grace you walk in. He obeys you. He has to. Mark sixteen, seventeen says these signs follow them that believe. Notice. It does not say them that believe are supposed to follow signs from one good church meeting to another. <laughs> in my name they shall cast out devil. Notice this does not say that those who believe will pray and God will get rid of the devil for them. It says, they cast out devils. In my name, they will cast out devils. That's serious, church. That is is heart attack serious. Since you and the rest of the believers of the world are in charge of controlling the devil's activities, seems to me an intelligent thing to learn as much as possible about how that's done. Ephesians 6.11 says, you... Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the trickery of the devil. Did you notice the passage of Scripture does not say put on the whole armor of God so that the armor will be able to stand against the trickery of the devil? No, the armor doesn't stand against the trickery of the devil. The guy inside the armor stands. The guy inside the armor decides to fall down. Guess what? That armor is not going to do much good. The bottom line is simple. God will not do for us what he has given us, both the power and the authority to do for ourselves. He believes in us. God believes in us. Second Corinthians twelve nine. God spoke two significant things to Paul. And Paul said one thing in response to it. First, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul's revelation of power and efficiency of the grace of God should have been enough to tell him, and for that matter, me, how to get the devil off his own back. Second, God said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. The Greek word strength is the word dunamis, which means explosive or miraculous power. We get our word dynamite from that word. Yes. The Greek word translated perfect does not mean flawless, but rather it means mature or full of ability. The Greek word translated weakness means strengthlessness. When Paul said, most gladly, therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities, the Greek word translated glory means to boast or rejoice. And the Greek word translated infirmities means weakness. God said to Paul, my grace is enough for you because my miraculous power is filled with ability and because you're too weak to do anything on your own. Paul said, because that's true, I rejoice in my lack of strength so your power may freely rest on me. Notice that in all the definitions of the word translated infirmity and weakness, we've been discussing in the original Greek text, there is not one sickness or physical ailment among them. Not one. Not even one. Not even one. Not one. Not even one. Not one. Not even one. Not one. one. Am am, am I getting this true? (laughs) Paul knew and rejoiced To the fact that his own personal weaknesses Or lack of strength was just another Opportunity for God to show himself Strong in a yielded life Still not satisfied That Paul's affliction did not come from God And that God did not produce His infirmity or yours Or anyone else's either directly Or by by permission Then you need to Look up what's an infirmity You know how to look that up It's really simple Either Download the app that says Strong's Concordance or go to your local Christian bookstore and buy a Strong's Concordance. They cost about 25 bucks. And look up the word infirmity. Every verse in the Bible that uses the word infirmity and weakness, look every single one of those up, and you will find that not one of those verses talks about illness. Not one of those verses talks about disease. Not one of those verses talks about a a physical handicap. Not one of them. You can look that up for yourself. I could look it up for you, but I don't want to train you to be lazy by by trusting in me. I want you to look it up for yourself. I know you can do this. Thomas i thank you very much for your time today for the time on your program. This has been a blessing for me
2: Pastor and, John uh, I really appreciate i appreciate your coming, cause, um you you always you always keep me and um i have i have few questions before you go 'cause it's, okay you know, is really dealing with something that I'm about to set out on um me and my uh Future significant other, we we've been talking a lot, and um, one of the things that I want to do is um, get my health back into physical well well being because uh, and and I'll say this on there, and it does not mean a, I I'm lacking in faith or anything like that, but my body at 39 years of age is breaking down. It is physically deteriorate but I've, I've made a profession that I'm not going down without a fight and there, I yep. know there's many, many things that I'm still dealing with in my life areas where I'm still willing and desiring to grow but I will not fall for that old adage that things are happening to me because there's still sin in my life you know there's still areas of sin in my life which I'm dealing with And you know And it's not that it's something that's hidden It's something I made a Deliberate choice on and it's something That I have to do And as a man of God uh, uh, You know a minister of the gospel I'm not afraid to say that Because unlike You know I, I don't know How other Christians live Their relationships With the Lord but I Refuse to put on a, a false veil, a false mask. And so I know that I can overcome the illness. I mean, when I say my body is breaking down, Pastor John, I mean, literally, my bones, I can I can feel things happening. And so my question to you, in, in light of the message that you just delivered, is that is it... Accurate to say In part of preparing our body To receive The manifestation of the healing Because we already know In the spirit realm it's already done But yeah. We also have to take the steps Like taking care of ourselves Eating the proper food You know and that sort of thing Am I right Exercise. Am I right in that assumption
1: Yes you are You're absolutely right in that Number one Uh, Jesus Jesus came to to die for us to provide salvation. That little Greek word, sozo, it means saved, healed, delivered, preserved, and prospered. Now, that's a lot, and part of that is healing. Healing is part of what Jesus died to pay for for us. And our cross to bear is what Jesus died to pay for. Right. Our cross to bear is not the same thing That Jesus had to, to carry Jesus carried that For us Our cross to bear Is what he died to give us And part of that was healing And so when you're, when you're Working on healing for your body Be consistent and say What the word says What does the word say By his stripes you were healed If you were yes. then you are Your confession needs to be, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I am healed. I am whole. I am perfectly sound in every way. By the stripes of Jesus Christ, I am healed. I am whole. I am perfectly sound in every way. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I am whole. I am perfectly sound in every way. And just keep saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. Meanwhile, eat the right stuff. Meanwhile, exercise. Meanwhile, avoid negative people. Meanwhile, avoid speaking negatively of yourself.
2: You know that that really that really is very important because <laughs> you know. Um, Sometimes environments when you when you're in a negative environment it does affect you to the point where you just like okay um, you know I know I don't I don't like negativity. You remember how negative I was, you know? I I was angry. I was an angry kid, but now I'm at a point where I don't like negativity and has been kind of a rough last couple of months and you know what I mean because you know when you're in a negative environment and accountability is not given and it it really it really can destroy a person not just emotionally but physically. Their health. I know I'm speaking from I'm speaking from uh I'm speaking from a place of experience, as you know, and now I am still dealing with some of those ramifications of my own bitterness and anger. So so basically what I know is that I have to reset the clock and, and like you said, start speaking that word. And, uh, I'm just I'm just excited because I know I know that God has a lot on the horizon for me and he's about to use me.
0: Well, he has
2: been using me for years, but I mean in a way that he has had always prepared to use And so yeah. having, having said that, I would like for you to uh, you know, pray You know pray to end the show But specifically pray a prayer Of healing for me And over me and I'm going to Agree
1: and then we're going to Mm -hmm. Call it a day Okay All right. well let's pray Heavenly Father I thank you sir That you have given us your word You said these signs will follow them that believe They'll lay hands On the sick and they'll recover They'll cast out demons they'll speak with new tongues Father We believe, therefore, these signs must follow us. I've already laid hands on Thomas, and he can lay hands on himself right now. And I say in the name of Jesus, be healed. Be made whole in every way in Jesus' name. Father, I don't care how long the duration of the sickness has been. I don't care if it's been 39 years or 39 seconds. It doesn't matter.
2: Your word
1: matters. Thank you, sir, for healing Thomas's body. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Yes. Sir. I thank you for it, sir, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 amen.
2: Pastor John, you you don't know just you don't know how precious you are to me and I um uh, I could you i I gotta tell you i uh, i am learning I am learning a lot through your work through your teaching i'm and I'm just totally blessed, so my question is, you got any more? Can you come back next week too
1: actually, I'm gonna be terribly busy for the next couple of weeks, so let's not okay. plan on that
2: all right, well, I'll have to take the reins and you know I'm more than capable, but
1: uh, yep. so I, I appreciate do know that. it.
2: And um, I'll catch you in a few weeks and see where you're at, see if you can come back and deliver some more messages. But I really right. appreciate your word, and thank you for joining us today.
1: All right, bro. Thank you for inviting me. You have a great day, and God bless all of you out there that are listening. God bless you.
2: God bless you, Pastor John. Have a good night. Yep. All right. Bye-bye. That was my Spiritual father in the faith Pastor John Anderson He is a man of God He he, uh, Man he means so much To me And uh, I want to thank everybody For bearing with The noises in the background Because I'm connecting from a Live radio or a um, Restaurant with Wi-Fi so um, I want to say God bless everyone. Have a phenomenal, phenomenal good night. And we will be back next week to Reality in Christ, Worship in Word, here on Blog Talk Radio, True Life Radio.